This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Andor Report. No sounds, Joseph, because there is hardly any sounds in this one. <laughs> the sound of tense silence. Sometimes you get the exciting drums of combat, but this episode, uh, Ken created the beautiful sound of tense silence, which does capture this episode. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making artistic sounds is Ken Napsok. We're very excited uh, to dive into episode five of Andor, titled The Axe Forgets, written by Dan Gilroy, directed by Susanna White, about uh, 37-ish minutes of new story uh, once you get past the previously on in all the glorious credits. Uh, Ken, we all often like to uh, set the scene of kind of how we experienced watching the actual show. I think this episode, we should probably set the scene of recording this episode. Yeah. Uh, it is early in the morning for us because you are about to jump on a plane uh, to make New York City laugh, right? Yeah, I, I am. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, Mark Ellis is on the way. I feel like this is the uh, I'm in a camp with you and we're talking about our reasons <laughs> for podcasting. Yeah, no. Um, from up late watching Endor uh, to up early to record. Uh, happy to do it. A lot of fun. But it's a, it, it was a weird it's a different take. Usually I feel so unprepared. I, I feel like I haven't trained enough on this mission. <laughs> yeah, so if we're uh, moving through things a little bit faster than we sometimes do, and I say that as somebody who recorded, you know, an hour and 46 minutes on the last episode of Andor, uh, this one might be a little shorter, might be a little faster, want to uh, let you uh, all in listening and know where we are at. Uh, I had a similar experience. I had my normal sit down to watch Disney Plus at midnight uh, with a glass of whiskey, my Andor action figure. Then I went to sleep for three hours, dreamed about Andor, got up and watched it again, excited to dive into it uh so ken yeah. what was your overall reaction to episode five love it like it struggle with it where'd you go man here, here we go um god i i absolutely love this episode particularly mesmerized by this one felt the nerves love seeing what i am describing as a functional coruscant with an expressway and marriage <laughs> fights and kids with mommy issues Love seeing that. This episode was a, a look beneath the hood, right? This was an engine inspection on everyone. So we're going to get into all that. Um, I, I really like how Cassian is so secretive. And I, I, I think it's fair to say that Cassian's in this world as the main character, but he seems to be reacting to everyone else a lot. Like I've seen that before. You and I have kind of discussed that. I kind of like it for this episode because it's he's kind of this viewpoint in this world that's meant to change him and, and maybe change us. Um, so that that this, this episode was just got just fascinating in a level I've not experienced. But also say this, I'm very glad we have this. I'm glad we have other flavors of Star Wars. <laughs> I I wanted to dance with an Aki Aki at a festival. Uh, I wanted to cheer with an Ewok and I'm waiting for that. This is um, a slow boiling pot. Uh, our pal Ken Plume actually uh, put some on Instagram of this show is a test of, of patience and it's a wonderful test of patience and it's great. And like I've said, it's mesmerizing. But uh, we're waiting for that pot to boil. And that's fair to say. And that's fair to say. It. I felt that after this fifth episode. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I want to uh, celebrate and not even critique, but acknowledge. Uh, we've said for a long time, and I really want different flavors of Star Wars. I don't want to uh, play the constant compare, contrast, which is better game. Yeah. I, I'm not interested in which is better. I'm interested in what makes them different so we can celebrate what makes them different. Um, so I'm what I'm absolutely loving about Andor and particularly loved in the Axe for it forgets is the the great 
character building, uh, the galaxy building, the artfully elaborating on the core ideas of Star Wars, right? You could just take Mon Mothman and Return of the Jedi saying many Bothans died to bring us this information and we have just a beat to let the weight of that sink in to see characters that we don't know for motivations that we don't know gave their life for this, but why? And here's this episode that's like, it's not the Bothans, but here's why people are doing this. Here's how they have a hard time admitting it or sharing it. So it's deep important star wars stuff that i absolutely love the um the lack of action is important to me and it's important to just call it that to me that there is a lack of action and that is part of what makes it incredibly successful and different right because everything going on this episode is preparation for action the fear of of action uh so it makes you feel the terror and the pressure and the need and the fact that there isn't any action but it's gonna explode is part of what makes this episode powerful i also think it's the thing that makes and or different this is a choice to really really slow down and have an entire episode where we see uh why characters are going to make the choices they're going to make but we don't actually see them really make too big of choices yet uh that is really satisfying to be able to go that deep with characters but it also makes it different because you know starting with lucas's original trilogy the action adventure pacing and you don't go too long without a, a big explosive chase or a fight uh is a part of the building blocks of star wars and i'm totally fine that it's not here but i want to acknowledge it and celebrate it because it is what makes andor different yeah, and you talk about many Bothans. Now we we you know many Bothans died, and then you just do a whip pan over to the daughter, going, "You're always so dramatic, mom." Then we <laughs> ten minutes of that, which was amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on it. The yeah. lack of many Bothans felt. died to bring us this information, and my husband doesn't remember their names, <laughs> even though he knows. He knows. <laughs> he knows. He knows. He just. I'm care. sorry, I cut you off there. No, 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 no. It, it's um, it, the lack of action is very purposeful. Uh, it's felt, like I said, I, I was leaning forward. It's one of those lean forward in the seats type of episodes. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, um, light on plot in a lot of ways, and 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 that's uh, that's okay. But um, I'm, 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 I'll end my stumbling rant on. I just, I'm, I'm glad we have all flavors. I truly that Star Wars buffet you and I talk about a lot. I want to go have some ice cream right now. Yeah, some no, Star and Wars I feel episode. like. This is like this episode is in a beautiful way uh, preparing you for the ice cream, but also making you wait for the ice cream. And I think episode six <laughs> is going to be a, a big catharsis, a release. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll yeah. see if, if uh, the arcs continue and we sort of uh, reset to building up to the to the next big explosion. Very excited mm-hmm. to see how the structure goes for the rest of it. Uh, so there is obviously a ton that you and I both enjoy in this episode uh, for the for what it is actually trying to do. Let's dive into the big themes, the ideas at stake in this episode. Um, Ken, I'll just start here without getting in, into any great mm-hmm. depth. I, I do feel like this episode functionally really the, the main drive to me is cracking open Cassian. How much is he? Mm-hmm. gonna let people in how much does he know himself about why he's in the fight how much can he be honest with himself so i think it has that as kind of a, a main spine yeah. but then almost everything else going on i feel like is really building on some of the big ideas that that have been present uh throughout the show uh the why of the fight like for everybody why why is everybody making the choices uh that they are and this kind of idea we talked about a lot 
from the first three episodes of seeing how people don't just believe in an ideology. They don't just believe that the rebellion is correct or the empire is correct, that they have all of these real personal motivations. So that was kind of my starting point. What was your starting point in breaking down this episode? Yeah, as always, some similar. We, we often use different words or title sentences, topic sentences. <laughs> I, I, said, I said the rebellion is built on hope, but fueled by loss. And this is a mm. lot about the personal losses and costs and this idea of the path. There's this great line. A lot of people, uh, I was up early on Twitter. Man, a lot of you love to just tweet out every uh, spoiler thought <laughs> with only a dash between the top of your tweet. Man, come on, give folks a chance. Um, that everyone has their own personal rebellion, right? And that that was fascinating line and fascinating take. And so I, I put this idea idea down of our, our path, or not not the path protected by uh, everyone over there on uh, 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 Kenobi planet. I was going to say Kajimi. That's thinking of Rise of Skywalker. Um, the beginnings. What brings you here? And what are you going to do going forward? Uh, this idea, the opening, uh, the opening breakfast of. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to cut breakfast with his mom there. Uh, <laughs> breakfast from doom. I don't know uh, about yeah, you know, horror like movie. Slouch. Yeah. Yeah. This is how you're slouching. It's, it's how you, that's how you present yourself to the world. It's kind of this beginning. And what do you want to be? And what do you want people to think about you? And what brings you here? And then it just moves from there. And that wonderful, I did love that the ax forgets, but the tree remembers. And we're going to talk about that theme with maybe some Imperial, uh, you know, uh, oppression going on there too as well. But anyways, I just, I think, yeah, this is what truly the rebellion is built on, the different stories, the different takes, the different reasons, and how it all needs to come together. Yeah, no, I I really agree with you. I think there is a, a lot about sacrifice and loss and that it, it ties together because I think the sacrifice and the loss is a lot uh, of the why of the fight. It's a lot of the personal motivation that leads uh, to the ideology um, and I just, I just thought it was great that almost every little mini scene, uh, sometimes it was explicitly the conversation, but other times, because there isn't huge action, they're not making big choices. You just get to feel the real basic kind of human need for something of like, I need mm-hmm. this answer from, for my job and I'm staying late and I'm pounding space aspirin, you know, yeah. um, you, you get ev- the sense that this is personal for everybody. Uh, yeah, and that the, everyone has their own rebellion line from Vel. Uh, totally great that uh, that the spoiler friendly people are tweeting that out <laughs> as they should. Uh, uh, they should celebrate the line. Uh, everybody has their own spoiler yes. rules. Yes. Everybody has the why of spoilers, <laughs> their personal motivation for spoiler ideology. Um, but yeah, man, I, I if. Uh, that that story is is uh, true the way Tony Gilroy presented it, and I'm I'm sure it is that um, that Andor was kind of in the works, but it wasn't working, and then he came in with his manifesto, as he called it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, clearly, uh, Nemec is inspired <laughs> by Tony Gilroy. Uh, if he came in with a manifesto uh, and a, a treatment, as we say uh, here in Hollywood, I, I feel like everyone has their own rebellion. It was probably the log line. Right. Like oh, it, it, it's it is so underlined. That's what's going on with this show and in particular with this episode, but the entire show. Yeah. 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 That's that was that was on the flow chart or the, the the pitch Bible and what he said in the room. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. And the axe forgets, but the tree remembers, I think, is a incredibly powerful line, which would have echoed out even if they didn't title it. The axe forgets. Uh, yeah. I was really uh 
I, I was really affected by that because it is just a visceral way to talk about this, the machinery of the empire, the cruelty of the empire. I think it ties together with uh, Nemec's, uh, Nemec was just a quote and idea machine this episode. Mm-hmm. I, almost everything I wrote down was Nemec. Uh, but his great lines about basically saying like they, they do so many things to us that we can't keep up with them. You know, so I think it's the axe forgets, but the tree remembers is a great picture of just the absolutely forward moving cruelty of the machinery of the empire. But I also really noted that because it, it, it goes to this idea that I am really interested in about the connection between the personal and then the larger political ideological choices of, mm-hmm. you know, the axe you can look at is the machinery. Uh, yeah. The tree is personal, right? Mm hmm that's the tree remembers is almost like that's almost like Skeen's way of saying you know i remember the wound that they did to me that i'm going to reveal at the end of the episode everything to me is about that chop and they don't remember you know or or know or think it matters right that ties into nemic's great line too about surprise from above is never as shocking as one from below (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, no, and there's some themes of uh, this idea of empathy for those beneath you, and I look at Perrin, where he's got none of it, even that the, the fight, the, the the line of, you know, oh, it had to do with charity, you know, you, you, it's charitable, you wouldn't want anything to do with that, and you know the driver's name, uh, I'm not saying Perrin's empire here, uh, I'm just saying it just part was part of this idea going on with it, the axe uh, uh, forgets and, and the tree remembers, Um and all kind of connected for me. I also thought this episode was this intersection of, of action and ideas. And, you know, this, there was a Liberty just needs a few more ideas, skiing kind of being dismissive of it, but you get the old nav component and, and, and then the manifesto from Nemec and it's two sides of the fight. Um, and that's playing out. So it's, it's that personal connection. What brings you here? The wounds, the trauma, uh, obviously big theme there. Um, and how that will drive you to the why and to the how. Of, of the action um, and, and maybe the other way around too with Cyril Karn, by the way, right? It's not all good. <laughs> not all positive. No, no. Uh, th- I think it, if anything, this is uh, like a lot of Star Wars making an argument to know yourself so you can be making choices with a clarity of why you are making them to make sure that those are the choices you want to make. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I think we see a lot of the, you know, uh, the, quote unquote, uh, good characters are uh, diving deeper to understand themselves or already know themselves. And uh, some of the uh, imperial sided characters are just pushing forward based on their raw open emotion. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk just a little bit about some of the specifics of the the yeah. personal motivations for the characters, right? Yeah. Um, I, I love that this episode does feel shaped well around Andor's uh, holding everything back and maybe even not fully knowing or analyzing himself. I love that it starts with, yeah. you know, Andor and Skeen fighting over motivation, the the literalness of Skeen being like, I'm going through your things to try to see who you are. Yeah, yeah. Who <laughs> like, are you? Really? I mean, it's a practical thing, but also like, this is what I want to do to your soul, Andor. Uh, go yeah. through it and catalog it so I know why you are here. Um, yeah. And I like that it starts with this little bit of bond, this little bit of the personal that I took all I took all the tattoo stuff and the we'll talk about the canon of crate head and all those tattoos and mm-hmm. all that. But I really took that as they were both in some sort of, a, you know, prison system of the empire that forced them into some labor or servitude or, or, or soldiering. Even it would appear from Andor. 
yeah. getting out of prison and going to Mimban. So I liked that they kind of had that moment of of bonding, a little bit of like we both kind of know why we're here, but it isn't deep enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that Andrew just keeps refusing to share his defining trauma, it was this thing that made me be on the edge of my seat. Like, I, I think he doesn't fully know. I think he could absolutely say, hey, they, you know, I lost my sister. They hung my uh, father. Um, uh, but he, yeah. he, he kept me on the edge of my seat. Uh, that great scene where Skeen just shares his why. He shares what mm. the tree remembers, right? That they, yeah. uh, that the Empire killed his brother. And he knows he's angry. He used to be angry, and now I don't really know to, <laughs> what to call how I feel now. Oh, I love so great. And it made me lean forward and go, is Andrew going to offer any more? And he didn't. Yeah. How do he's you, got plenty to offer, right? <laughs> yeah, he's got plenty to <laughs> offer. And and there's that great. There's also that great exchange in, in terms of Andor's why of um, he has a great line about, like, I know what I'm against when Nemec is talking to him about the manifesto, which mm-hmm. – you know, ties to the great, you know, uh, last Jedi summation of uh, Star Wars philosophy of uh, not fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. And yeah. Andor seems to be in a fighting what he hates <laughs> mm-hmm. place. And I'll figure out the rest later. Do you take it as Andor? Obviously, he knows he hates the Empire. He knows specific wounds that they have inflicted on him. But do you feel like he is in a place where he is not willing to do deeper self-examination? I think that's a great way to look at it. I, I look over at um, Jin and not wanting to look up, and that's a different energy, same ballpark, but different energy. And this one here is these wounds that run deep. Um, I, I mean, think think of the um, the heaviness by the time we meet him in Rogue One, right? And there's a, always a lot, there's a lot of shadows in Andor's soul. And so watching him kind of, like say I'm here for the money, which is a big fact, mm-hmm. um, but also not the whole truth. So I'm, I'm fascinated. Every campfire scene, it's like, is he going to be like, you know what? Damn it. You're right. I am in. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I think that's some of the tension you're picking up on um, because, because you get, he, he, it happened so fast. I mean, even Skeens kind of says that you, 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 you came here with nothing. It had, this had to be a quick decision. So it's he's catching up with it, and I can't wait till he gets there, um, because he's got he's he's perhaps got I don't want to say more he's but he's got so much you know, than anyone in that camp, or just as much as anyone in that camp. We don't know everyone's full story. Um, to to do the old uh, yeah, I'm a hero now. Like let me fight, and I like that. It's that's I think kind of what I like. It's like he's holding back, he's reacting, he's ho- holding information, and this whole scene, this whole camp is changing him. It will change him. Um, but I think it's very realistic that he's still not there. Yeah. I think there's this great story of he, he knows exactly what the empire is. He knows exactly mm-hmm. how horrible it is and he hates it with all his heart and wants to tear it apart, but he doesn't think that he can, right? You know, yeah. the, the, the quote that, uh, Jin deploys so successfully, uh, ultimately in the, the rogue one briefing scene of rebellions are built on hope is of course something that Cassian, uh, says to her and I feel like he doesn't have the hope yet right he right. he he knows exactly what he can get away with and the rest is not worth the risk and to me it speaks to this sort of like uh this uh, fear right of like mm-hmm. if he was totally honest with himself like I think a part of him is afraid to read <laughs> Mimic's manifesto yeah. right because he knows all of this is bubbling inside and he knows he needs to commit everything uh Luthen's laying it out that way. You know, yeah, you probably yeah. will die. 
but you should. And I wonder if there's a fear of like, I know, I know everywhere that life is leading me to is to being 1000 million percent committed to this cause, but I'm afraid of it to admit that to myself. Yeah. Yeah. There's what's that exchange. Uh, Andor says, I'm here to win and walk away. Skeen says, wouldn't that be lovely? Um, mm-hmm. That's where Andor's mind is, right? Of course yeah. you all want to walk away. Of course you all want to walk away. I'm not saying that you have to sign up to, to, to say, yeah, I'm going to die in this mission. But I think he gets to a point of I'm here. I'm here to win later on in his life, if that makes sense. The walk away part is is, is one foot out to me. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think when we meet him in Rogue One, he is 100% committed to yeah. the rebellion at all costs. And that's his challenge of like how many how many of these costs are, you know, yeah. things that I can't live with or struggle to live with. So, yeah, I, I think this episode is really successful into diving more into Andor. I, I really like that early on with uh, Skeen, he talks about it's always hard to work with people because, you know, the weakest mm-hmm. link always breaks uh, the group. And then I think what the episode demonstrates is Cassian has all this knowledge. He has these natural leadership skills. He's super valuable to the group, but he doesn't see that his he's the weakest link mm-hmm. until the end. And it's like this, like, ah, oh, this nice breaking point, yeah. uh, this nice opening up in catharsis when he's like, ah, I'm here for money, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's not even that he needs to be a true believer. It's just mm-hmm. that he needs to be honest in order to not be the weakest link in the group. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, absolutely agree with that. Um, and then coming to that realization. Yeah, love yeah. that moment. Uh, so th- then going through some of the other personal motivations, obviously, uh, you know, the person who inspires the great everyone has their own rebellion line from Vel is learning about Lieutenant Gorn's uh, personal mm-hmm. loss that he became close to someone uh, on the the planet uh, and, in, and on Aldani and their culture and lost both a promotion and... Uh, the person that he was close to that'll do it <laughs> how, how did you feel about uh about learning that about gorn were you happy to get that insight yeah i was and also i like that um it was very direct and simple and very much about uh it's not quite romo romeo and juliet right star-crossed lovers but it's it's someone in the empire um at connecting with someone uh, on that planet uh, he's already spoken so wonderfully about this uh, event right that that everyone wants to see even, even the rank and file are like hey you know part of the fun of working here is seeing this wonderful beautiful event but that it comes from his eyes and him staring out saying it's inspirational uh wanting uh, yeah, i can envision a thousand aldani here i just love that i love that for that story because uh, there's um everyone like everyone's got their own rebellion everyone's got their own trauma uh, but it was just kind of broken heart broken soul and I'm in this system and this system cost me that cost me some happiness and uh, I need to stop it. And, 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 it, and it blossoms out to something bigger, but it starts small for me with him. Yeah. I, I really love that. It's supporting, you know, this great uh, ongoing star Wars um, thematic idea. It's about empathy. It's about everyone matters um, mm-hmm. that if the empire or people even in cogs in the machinery of the empire, uh, like the Imperial he talks to up on the, the, uh, the overview site there who, who makes those disparaging comments of like, can you imagine how much, how much a thousand yeah. of them it would smell together about the Aldani, right? Yeah. If you can keep people as less than you're kind of, you're staying in this sort of the safety of ideology. It's not real. It's not personal. They are less than right. Yep. Uh, and I love that Gorn's personal story isn't 
that he got married on Coruscant and the Empire lost his he lost his partner because of the Empire from Coruscant, but that it's personal. He saw mm-hmm. the humanity of these people and this place, and in particular, you know, this person he connected with. It, it makes it so much more about uh, just humanity in this larger way of of yeah. this is a personal connection that makes him it makes it impossible for him to uh wear and hold the ideology of the empire because mm-hmm. if these people have value then if he if he lets that in if the people of Aldani have value then it's in direct con- conflict with the ideology that he is supporting yeah yeah and that, and and realizing this scene's playing out time and time again mm-hmm. elsewhere and once you kind of see that bigger picture which is fascinating, by the way. Uh, I, the side note here, just uh, we'll probably talk more about the Deidre stuff, but that that scene, which again, I found myself rooting for her as she tries to uncover the Empire or the Rebellion. I'm like, man, yeah, you do it. You do it. Uh, you two stay up late. Pop some pills and go do it. But um, as this very intimate scene, uh, you know, with, with, with the camp and Cassian and everyone plays out in front of us, to hear her talking about it, to hear uh, Hurt, uh, her uh, assistant, talking about, well, this is, you know, too random to be random. This is happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I'm imagining 30 campfire conversations going on in the galaxy right now as they're talking, and it just drove all of it home, too, which includes, you know, Gorn uh, feeling that this is just here. This is mm-hmm. just me. What else is out there? I got to stop it. No, I, I totally agree with you. I I, I want to talk about Adedra, uh very very much, but r- real quick, I just want to throw a Nebic in there because I'm I'm holding myself back from making this Nemic center. Uh, Dude, I love this character, uh, but I think I this was one of those moments where I think everything works, and and I'm sure many people love Nemic, but I just kind of felt like um, I saw a little bit of myself in Nemic, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of the nerdery. Sure, uh, I've built the model. Um, <laughs> But it's more like in this whole big episode where we're we're learning the why of lots of the characters that we're meeting. And we've already known that Nemec is an almost uh, stars in his eyes, young, true believer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's he's a person where like the personal almost is the ideological because that's how he's processing the world. Right. Mm-hmm. He is he is seeing meaning in every little thing. And, you know, it, it made me think of uh, myself. Honestly, it made me think of our podcast, uh, many other people's uh, in our circle, the way they choose to talk about Star Wars is yeah. there's meaning in Dexter's diner, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. There's meaning in uh, the, the way an Imperial looks at, at another person, like all that stuff. There, there's meaning in the everyday. So I thought it was really uh, fascinating that in this episode that was examining what is the personal motivation for being in these big fights that his personal motivation is I can't look anywhere and not see meaning uh, yeah. and it, it, it's implicit in everything we look at from the environment to technology what the empire is doing to us I thought that was a really interesting take in perspective yeah, no, I love it. I, sorry, I was going to let you, let you uh, go on. on uh, no, no. Here. Um, no, no, I, I agree with that. And, and um, again, this idea of, uh, what I said, intersection of, of action ideas and, and, and both are needed. And, and his, uh, I want to read his little book. Uh, I want that to be re- released, you know, the, the core of the rebellion. Uh, and uh, fascinated by people's reactions to it, that it's skiing, you know, uh, uh, he's listening. He make he make fun. He's making fun of me, but he's listening. They're all listening. He's, yeah. he's, he's truly the soul 
of this particular group of the rebellion, which kind of it means he's the soul of the bigger rebellion too, as it plays out. Yeah, and and it just made me feel like the you know, and this is mostly pre Force Center. Every once in a while now, but like yeah. being in a conversation with people about Star Wars and wanting to you know ramble on about the uh, absolute you know significance of a specific lightsaber m- moment and what it means ideologically, and then somebody mm-hmm. like Skin going like. It's a laser sword, and they're cool. Why are you overthinking it? <laughs> and I think feel like Nemec would write a manifesto about lightsabers. I also yeah. just really loved the uh, synergy with the real world. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea that the Imperials are are making tech that is uh, you can only use exactly the way that they want you to use it. And he has seen that as another form of control. And yeah. that was written a long time ago in the production cycle of Andor. But it comes out the same week that the EU votes to say, Apple, you can't have lightning ports. You have to have a standardized port that everyone can use. <laughs> Which I really agree with. It will join any fight for. Um yeah, no, no. First of all, yeah, um, the 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 big picture idea too of of there's meaning in all of this. It's something um, it's something I really love uh, love uh, connecting with you over, but also just love saying. So I love that I love that angle. But yeah, I was fascinated by the imperial stuff. The imperial thought is that what he called it, like the the imperial thinking or the imperial line of thinking. I, 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 uh, it's early and no coffee yet. Um, but the things they pushed us to forget, the things they mm-hmm. pushed on us, the way they, you know, this question is, as a Star Wars fan um, about, well, how, how do the, we know why the Empire or Palpatine erased the Jedi, but how did it happen so fast? Mm-hmm. And there's a, that, his quote, yeah. yeah, his quote here is, there's a growing list of things we've known and forgotten, things they've pushed us to forget, things like freedom. Uh, but yeah, 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 that's, I love what you're saying. So please go on. Well, it's just in the speed of it, right? And, and and which is funny to hear the speed of it in a, an episode that's rather slow. Um, but yeah, how how it, it's very true, uh, and how this could happen fast. And this is um, it's it's very real world stuff, and 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 that's what Andor is doing. And, and you you brought a good example in too on, on a small level, but just like in terms of just the Star Wars story too, it, I love that they're playing with. Uh, this this 19 year time period right which mm-hmm. which we've talked about and we can analyze in other other episodes when we may, maybe have more time but just like by the time kenobi meets luke and new hope well, you're you're thinking he's talking hundreds of years ago now we know it's 19 which george brings in and was always set you know with luke and leia being that age it, it, it this is uh i didn't need this logical um explanation of it but to see it play out on this level and him say it so clearly it, it's uh the speed at which tyranny moves speed of oppression uh, the, the speed of repression like it, it's pretty fascinating and and, and it just all in that piece of old tech mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's a yeah. usb cord they got rid of it <laughs> uh, but they got rid of it because it you know it, yeah it takes away our ability to be flexible and it makes us do things exactly the way they demand that we do them right yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, old Palpatine has a practical reason to be saying, remove the USB-C code. <laughs> uh, but also it, it yeah. is that feeling of get used to it. Just mm-hmm. always, uh, you, yeah. we, you, we tell you uh, what to plug into what port uh, in your soul every day. Do it. Yeah. You know, I love that argument from him. It's really yeah. great stuff. Yep. Um, and, and I think it's just very accurate. You know, I think any of us who spend a lot of time on Twitter, scroll through, find the five things that upset you the most and try to stay focused on them all. And, and it, it it's mm-hmm. hard, right? You, yeah. you have to sort of pick and choose. And I like that. That's what it's saying. It's like, 
people's ability to try to remember Jedi uh, is probably lower than their ability to, you know, figure out how they're going to eat the next day. God, that's so true. No, that's so true. Uh, the, the survival aspect of it all and, and, and how I see that with Andor, too. He just Andor himself. Uh, I think some of what you're talking about earlier, he's got this long resume of, of reasons he could he could uh, raise that fist up um, or find the right way into the fight. But the fact that it's also like, yeah, I got to eat tomorrow. I got to survive. Like it's that's very real. And then you're it's not that he's looking down because he's callous and doesn't care. I, I think t- at times that might be his only choice or feel like it's only his only choice. Yeah, absolutely. He's he is getting by and surviving, you know. Uh, and yeah. you know how much is he doing that? He's like to be there for Marva and the family business at different points in his life, you know. Yeah, and, and to not have to happen to him what happened to Clem, right? I, I think we're going to definitely go back to his father. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. adoptive father, right? How much is like I, I I can't I can't do that. I can't be him. Um, mm-hmm. Let's. Uh, I love saying this to you, Ken. Let's dive into the Imperials. Um, I really. <laughs> I really love Dead Ramiro's scene. It was so short, and, and I yeah. think it was a scene that uh, definitely did build on what we already uh, knew about her from last episode, that she's really fighting to find her place in the ISB uh, and, and to have the power that she thinks is right. So far in the show, we haven't heard anything from her about why she believes in the Empire or hmm. why she hates the Rebellion, right? We haven't heard any personal motivation. What we're seeing so far on the screen is somebody who has a job and like mm-hmm. all of us who have jobs uh, don't want to be looked down on, don't want to be fired. We want mm-hmm. to be promoted. <laughs> we don't want to yeah. be walked on uh, by our coworkers. We don't want to be uh, called in by the boss and told that we lose that argument and in fact, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes this amazing scene where she is, so relatable. Someone just really trying to uh, to make her job work uh, and yeah. find personal fulfillment in her job. And the thing that she needs to do to make that happen is not make sure she puts the, the you know, cover sheets on the TPS reports. She has to uncover the rebellion against yeah. tyranny. But there's no sense so far to me that she's like, the rebellion is wrong and it must be stopped. It's like, I, I don't. I don't want to be demoted at work, so I guess I'll crush this rebellion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Uh, that's what we do. Um, fast. Uh, uh, this might be. This might be uh, just me being melodramatic. That might have been my favorite episode in a scene in the episode. Mm. And, and, it's and, up and, there. Yeah, and the Luthan stuff at the end was really fascinating too. I mean, all, all of it's all of it's great. There's some so much wonderful, important stuff with Nemec. But I got to tell you, I, I I was doing a second rewatch fast because of our recording schedule day, and I made sure I stopped on that one. There's just something I, 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 I just absolutely love about it. Again, it sets up the tension that this isn't just happening with Andor and this group. This is happening all over the galaxy. The the personal costs, the risks, the stakes. Uh, how many missions have gone wrong? How many missions had to be pulled back? That's that just when, when Kessel, Fond, Fondor, uh, Jakku, all this, it, it, great. Um, and there's just something about, yeah, uh, you talk about an episode that's looking under the, the, the hood of all the characters to see what makes them tick. Um, I'm fascinated by her because I, I have to remind myself you can't root for her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's like maybe once we get to know her as a person, we can root for her as a hmm. person. And that's what we're doing, right? Because she's right. And she's yeah. being treated poorly at her job. <laughs> yes. So we're rooting for her as a person. And in that personal 
uh, connection, we can lose track of the ideology of like, yeah, yeah she's going to crush the rebellion. Because <laughs> even even uh, her, her rival there, uh, I forget his name. Um, Blevin. Le- Blevin, thank you. I love that scene when he's back. I, let me talk about the budgets. And they're like, well, that's that conference you're going to speak at. And I just mm-hmm. was thinking like, you pompous ass, like she's over here working hard trying to stop the rebellion. And I'm like, oh man, here we go again. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then all the other Im- Imperials, because uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll talk about Dead Ramiro more in the, in the coming yep. weeks. That scene is fascinating. Uh, the captain we meet in real classic Imperial outfit uh, on Ferrick, Captain Tigo. Uh, yeah. he's presented as a wanting a personal thing, right? He's not yeah. talking about the glory of the empire. He wants a title of prefect. He knows it doesn't come with a raise. Like, raise? It's just, it's just, and I think this is why people are responding to this show. Cause it's getting into the personal, even with yeah. the random Imperial we just met. Um, I think seeing the Imperials on Aldani, uh, struggling to stay on the job and focus. Cause it's a really crappy post that mm-hmm. makes it personal and real. Um, and then the the big one obviously is is Cyril, right? We finally really get to see the oh, kind of yeah. torture that his mother has put him through constantly, uh, yeah. putting him down, making him feel uh, less than. Uh, home is a place that should be uh, a place of comfort. Instead, it's a place of mockery and cruelty. Whatever he does is not good enough. And mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite scenes in in the episode, all, all the stuff with his mother with Edie is. Uh, chilling and funny, amazingly well performed. He has some great funny moments, but the him needing to prove he's not a failure for him, his soul needing yeah. to get out of that little prison-like apartment, <laughs> yeah. needing to get away from his mother, needing to prove to everyone he's not a failure. And it isn't so much that he's like, I have figured out that. Cassian Andor is a great threat to the Empire. It's mm-hmm. the personal need. This guy is my ticket to getting me what I personally need. That's what I so loved about that that scene of him just staring at the hologram of like, Cassian's not a person to him. He's a ticket to Cyril Karn's validation. Yeah, to not have to study Uncle Harlow more or, you know, <laughs> eat more cereal, though I will talk about Star Wars cereal. I definitely oh. want that. Um, oh, yes. It was fascinating because, because yeah. First of all, there were some moments. There's some real funny moments, um, intended or otherwise, with him and his mom. And I, I started to feel. I was like, oh man, are we all going to start rooting for Karn? And he gives us no chance um, because this is again uh, talking about the past for each character, and then how you go forward and what you do, and to see him kind of double down, like you said, pull out the picture. Um, it's it's now personal personal validation it's not even for a job possibly he might be a rogue vigilante a-hole <laughs> going around to try to do this i was fat I, I love all that stuff that stuff um delivered as as as, I, as we thought it would because we kind of knew these scenes were coming it kind of got out there a little bit too early i thought mm-hmm. um which was a bummer but uh but here it is it delivered yeah it came out in some just you know cast interviews which yeah which was was too bad because it would have been great to have it be a little bit more of a reveal which i'm sure it was uh, for many people watching and i just love that w- with all these imperials uh, the ones we're spending more time with in particular Cyril karn future imperial uh nedra miro um we can understand why they feel the way they do but understanding why somebody makes a bad choice does not necessarily excuse the bad choice right. and i'm really interested to see how that plays out yep 
Yep. Uh, you also talked about the, you know, all the the themes of sacrifice and loss. I thought that was was all all great. Uh, the Mothma stuff, once again, amazing. Seeing uh, how easy it would be for her to just look away, mm-hmm. and she's uh, because of what she's doing, she's losing connection uh, to her family, but she's committed to empathy. That back and forth about knowing the driver's name is about empathy, knowing that her husband would not be interested in in charity, even mm-hmm. though it's a dig. That's about empathy. Uh, the great scene of uh, of Luthen's fear after being so confident and barking orders at everybody. Um, you know, I think even that great shot of Nemec's model burning had a sadness mm-hmm. to it, right? It was like, yeah, that was something kind of thoughtful, handcrafted and beautiful, but it had to go. So it's up in flames. Like uh, I, I made a visceral noise and grabbed my heart when the model was burned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, can we just give, yeah, there's again, the personal losses and costs and, and I, the Mothma might, n- might never have had a chance for personal happiness once she plugged into this. Um, there's some, you know, uh, this isn't parents, uh, parents, a redemption tale either, but the real tension there and knowing that you just want to scream uh, at, at, her, at her daughter and husband, she's trying to save the galaxy, you fools. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. but, but it made for a somber episode in a way. And, and I, I, you're picking up on something too. It's just this inherent nervousness, tension and sadness and Luthen kind of, uh, you know, and Clea, t- you know, tomorrow, you know, this will all be over or it's just beginning. Great kind of rebellion line, but just, I don't know. It's about commitment and it's about the full commitment and that that's not always a happy ending. And that's not always, um, you know, you don't always get what you want and that and you can't carry everything forward. So I don't know, there's something I connected with and I love that. Uh, yeah, I think it's great because I think it gets to this truth where, you know, I, I think we often ourselves know a truth and we can express it to friends and family who need advice. And then the second that friend and family walks away, we sit there and wrestle with it. <laughs> yeah. With the thing we just gave them advice about, right? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that is what's going on with Luthen. Luthen knows, yeah, th- there's no way to have a risk-free rebellion. So mm-hmm. figure out how much you want to stick your neck out and go do it. And he's barking at it, Cassian, and trying to convert Cassian. Uh, and, and then here, here he is with all this fear of like, uh, maybe I didn't make it safe enough. Maybe I didn't make it perfect enough. Yeah. Yeah. I said before, I, one of my favorite scenes, but it's the last one. It's just so, it's, I loved seeing the underbelly of Luthen a little bit there, learn a little bit more of him there, but just, uh, it also just made, uh, for me, it added um, tension to the whole mission that we're about to see where he's over there just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and worried about, you know, a lot going on. I think at this yeah. point, I think Vela's family in some way, if mm-hmm. not a daughter, a family friend that the, the way yeah. that they, the way, the way that he yelled at her last week, you know, Mm. had an element of fear though look at me right you wanted yeah. leadership this is what it costs you know if you're not careful i will cancel uh the mission and then uh his his uh partner there clea saying you know vel is the only connection and he says i actually Ander the thief too but like yeah. i think we're building to something bigger between luthan and vel that makes a lot of sense to me absolutely all right any other uh, big picture thoughts before we take a quick break um, probably, probably a lot more, but, um, I, I apologize for a plane engine warming up. So no, uh, we, we, we might revisit some of it there, but, uh, um, uh, at the same time, it was a pretty simple and direct episode. Here's why we're here. What brought you here? Let's go forward. So we can move on. Yep, exactly. All right. We will take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Oh. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we are back to continue our discussion of Andor Episode 5, The Axe Forgets. We're going to talk some canon moments, uh, not as much as the whole treasure trove of Luthen's art gallery uh, last yeah. week and lots of other things. Uh, but uh, I think one of the big things that's echoing out that needs to be discussed, uh, Ken, is serial mm-hmm. exists in Star Wars. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot in that that scene emotionally but also you know hey there's some uh, meleron fruit again that's great 
mm-hmm. there is the blue milk again, uh, which I don't know. Maybe some people will be mad at blue milk. Who knows? Uh, maybe that's too much nostalgia. Is blue milk a legacy character returning one too many times? We'll find out. Uh, but how? We also talk a lot about the the level of real worldness in Star Wars. Was was the mm-hmm. idea that you could sit down with the bowl of cereal and watch a a hollow in the morning like you're a kid in 1985 watching the Ewoks cartoon? <laughs> Did you enjoy that? Uh, How did you feel about the just I, straight up breakfast cereal in Star Wars? At the end of the day, I I really enjoyed it. It's so funny you mention that. Yeah, um, the cereal could be almost considered too like wah wah it's not it doesn't it doesn't play it's not played that way but you know what made me really think about this is him sitting in his he had that vest and it was like the most non-star wars star wars thing i've i've seen like his his breakfast vest i don't know what he, he's just sitting there he's not in like he's not in like a, a stormtrooper outfit he's no longer in the the corporal security outfit he doesn't have a rebel insignia on he's just like this is how I wake up and sit and have breakfast with my mom or late at night, whatever it was at the first scene. Um, and I was really fascinated by that. And I had that thought. I was like, is this too real world? And in, in, in the end of the day, it isn't. I love seeing this, what I call functional Coruscant and waking up and a little bit of sunshine and, and, and Mothma and her driver and, and, and the expressway. You and I love, and so many Star Wars fans love Coruscant. Um, I love seeing it like this. And so therefore mm-hmm. it really worked, even though the cereal is kind of like it's blue milk cereal. Like, not only yes, I'm going to buy some if they sell that, but um, it, it added to what was going on, and I really like it here. And it, it played out because remember Rogue One, remember that blue milk they, the, the Galen yeah. or, or Lyra puts on the blue milk, and people had a reaction to that, like oh how oh, we go oh, dumb, yeah, we get it, we get it, and and this could be felt like that way, but it play, it's played so realistically that, that I think I love it. Yeah, there, there's so much going on. I think in, in Rogue One, the blue milk didn't bother me, but I understand that the people who didn't like it, it feel like it was kind of placed in front of the camera in a mm-hmm. notice me sure. kind of way Yeah, in the foreground. Like, uh, didn't doesn't bother me, but I understand the, the rationale, and this is so baked into the scene. Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of loved it. Um, I, I wanted, when he was so angry and pouring the cereal for the, the little uh, emperor uh, toy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the little emperor uh, data pad topper, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to fall out for his toy. I think it really works for me because it's taking some of the meaning of cereal that exists in our real world of it's a it's a breakfast food. It is a yeah. breakfast food that a lot of us have at home or that we have specifically when we're children. And yeah. I it just immediately got the picture of like, yeah, when he was uh, rising up, you know, he probably had, you know, uh, two uh, lean cuts of shack meat and, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of protein powder. And like he probably had like expensive adult food uh, when yeah. he was a, a pre-war corpo. Uh, and now he's got mommy's cereal again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Miro's aide, uh, uh, Hurt, Hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, rattles off these examples of where things are being stolen. We got Kessel, uh, Fondor, uh, targeting computers from Jakku. Uh, obviously, all that stuff is just really fun to hear and think about. Any Anything deeper that you got from that uh, checklist of uh, rebel activity? Uh, it, probably something there to, to be mined, but um, I, the Hossian Prime one and also like, yeah, they only got one contract left, the Imperial Navy, which also tracks to like, that's where the kind of Republic Navy will be, will be destroyed. More than just a connection, just kind of what's going on in Hosnian Prime is kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very excited, and, and it's just great to hear you know this many years on, and Jakku is a classic planet that we're happy to hear about. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah. And targeting computers from Jakku. Is, is Unkar plotting on the rebellion? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Gallius Rax is out there. Some, some, <laughs> some of the other, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, some of the other names that we heard are new to Star Wars, according to my googling. Uh, the person that Perrin uh, was talking to uh, at the party we didn't get to see, uh, Gar Tafid, Tafid, um, and then everything with Cassian and Skeen and that tattoo and being caught up in uh, in Imperial prison punishment, uh, maybe. I took it as being made to work for the Empire. Uh, the yeah. crate head tattoo um, with, the, the, with the serial numbers and the symbol. Obviously, we know that uh, crate head is a treasure uh, for Tuscans, but it sounds to me like that was something uh, that yeah. uh, is just a, a name of a call sign uh, for the Imperial that we don't have. Uh, Cassian says that when he was 13, he went in went in on Sippo. Sippo appears to be new. So yeah. uh, a lot of fun stuff there to be mined eventually, but I like that there's a mix of the the new and the old. Yeah, and, and those will show up in some comic in about a year and it'll be a fun connection, but I loved it. Because you just get it, right? You don't, you, I love yeah. the new, but it's also like, yeah, you get it. It's a, it's yeah. Prison system, yeah. Last canon thing that I wanted to talk about is, uh, is the uh, revelation that Mothma does indeed have a daughter, uh, yeah. an angry teen daughter, uh, but her name is Lita, <laughs> mm -hmm. and she does not uh, necessarily in her attitude, uh, but in her appearance, she does have some Leia connections. Do, mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's uh, that's bonkers? Uh, am I going full nemic and looking for meaning where there isn't meaning? Or <laughs> you burn your models? No, no, because it's spelled. It's like Leia with a little extra uh, letter or two in there. Yeah, the way it's spelled. Um, no, you know what I took? I took it as I don't necessarily. This is definitely not something they intended because the shows are being kind of created on their own and uh, in their own bubbles, but. It's like the opposite of what we just witnessed with Bale and Brea and Leia in the Kenobi series. Um, this important, you know, the, the passing on of the generations and the lessons there and the sweetness and the connection and the family and the found family. And it's not to say Motham is, uh, is a bad mother, but it definitely seems like things have not gone well. And I'm fascinated by the, the two sides of it um, and want more of it and want to know, would love to now know where this daughter ends up. You know, she is she uh, like all characters somewhere behind a tree on the Battle of Endor, or do we uh, get get a little more later on? Fascinating. It, it was some great stuff. Yeah, I, I really love that scene. I think we, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but Mothma does kind of bark in in order to uh, the person working at their home of like not now, right? And yes. she barks some orders at her daughter, right? And and how much of that is Shandrian culture? How much of that is a, a fed up? mother i like that we're seeing mon mothma not just be like uh full of empathy and always having the right words right but oh, getting yeah. frustrated getting angry barking orders because she she is used to being a person of station you know yes. um and is not you know obviously deeply needs the support of her family and is getting nothing back but uh anger and daggers and accusations and and at this point those are literally dangerous to her life so i loved everything yeah. going on in the dynamic and I like that it wasn't, you know, she, that she didn't have Leia buns, but her name being Lita, being uh, somebody who who clearly has a lot of spirit and fight and anger, that just makes it richer to me. All of the storytelling that we have mostly in novels and comics about how uh, Mothma sees Leia as a kind of daughter figure, but keeps a little bit of distance. It yeah. just, it tracks really well for the character of Mothma and makes it more heartbreaking for Mothma to be like, 
I'm I'm in this fight with Leia, who does remind me of my daughter, and her, her daughter's not around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this, oh god, it's so interesting with the Leia thing. Yeah, because I've seen that before. I've seen that play out. You know, uh, where mentors, you know, are pretty good here, but you, at home they got. Something's gone wrong. I, I don't know. I, I don't have the, the words to describe how, how much I really love the Mothma stuff, and I'm just intrigued of it going forward and how it isn't perfect. I love that it isn't perfect. Uh, I'm sad. I feel sad for for Mothma. I, I still don't love Perrin. There's no Perrin redemption story yet for me, but I, I love seeing him kind of like mm, nodding under his breath as <laughs> his daughter says stuff, and they're a team against her. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I think it is a, it's a story of sacrifice, and I could maybe believe that. Yeah, Mothma is maybe not being there all the time for her daughter. She might not if she was just a politician, because that takes yeah. a lot out of you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so having Mothma be not perfect, and also being somebody who is willing to uh, sacrifice for the rebellion, right? It, mm-hmm. It's just that beautiful apartment. You get the sense of, like, she doesn't have to do this, uh, but... Uh, to me, she's another person who the uh, the the personal motivation is her belief in the ideology. Yeah. Uh, like Nemec, she's like, I got in this to help people. That's what government is. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to sit by and do this. Yeah, we'll talk about that more. Moving on from canon, is there anything else in canon that you wanted to talk about? No, no, good. All right, we'll go to our shortest section as we uh, as we head toward uh, wrapping up, which is a favorite action moment. <laughs> we talked yeah. at the top. There isn't a lot of traditional uh, Star Wars action, so I have a, a couple of moments that were action adjacent. How about you? Uh, it's just a TIE fighter for me. Um, yeah. That TIE fighter fl- flying over them was my, f- I will say this, and this is melodramatic and hyperbolic. It's my favorite TIE fighter moment ever. Uh, yeah. Loved it. And it's the TIE fighter and that sound we all grew up with, we all make, uh, whether it be with your toys or on your bicycle, it's the sound, uh, but now it's a weapon, a weapon of fear and oppression. And that was, I I could watch that on a loop. Yeah. so good. The absolute terror of it from the rebel's perspective of feeling like it's this glaring eye in the sky that can see everything, can see into their souls, know, know what they're doing made it so powerful. And then also the picture of the Imperials on that base being sort of like bored and restless. And you get the sense that this is a, a pilot buzzing a lake to feel alive, uh, possibly drinking out of a flask. Cause there's a lot of flask drinking in Andor, which is great. <laughs> there is. And cereal uh, and flask. Yeah. Obviously mm-hmm. the, the other uh, kind of action adjacent moment is the, the knife and blasters standoff, which I think is, is it's really great because again, this is about the absence of action. It's about the tension yep. that is action going to blow up. Yeah. Um, only other action moment for me, uh, I'll, uh, I'll add this to the action pile, uh, Cyril mm. throwing his uh, one bit of cereal back into the bowl <laughs> angrily. <Yes. laughs> I thought to myself, don't wait. Look, I'm, if, I, if I drop a piece of candy, I'm pissed I lost that piece of candy. Don't throw away a puff. Don't, don't throw away puff. a puff. <laughs> oh, Cyril puff waster Karn there. Uh, All right. Uh, That seems like a good segue to talk about moments of comedy and whimsy. Even in the grittiest, realist episode of Andor, there's some stuff that pops and makes me laugh. How about you? What do you got? 
um, you could really put a lot of the the Karn and, and his mom stuff. That that in another in, a, in another show or an, or a sketch show could be a lot of comedy. Like you'd be like that was a hilarious sketch about his uh, the the oppressive mother and the child. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of moments there. But the one one I'll talk about uh, um, the one I love is uh, Mothma saying to her husband Perrin, as we all remember, um, where he's like, I you know I, I, he's so and so guy Tarfid knows no more about you uh, your doings than I do, and she just goes must be embarrassing, and she knows. She knows he's, it's just, it's such a, it's such a couple fight, but also just so heavy with meaning. They are absolutely at war. And yeah, that, uh, yeah, I'm going to drive home to you that I don't remember the driver's name and I don't care. And I'm asking mm-hmm. you so I can tell him to get us home faster. So I don't have to be in the car with you. <laughs> yes. It's so awful. Yes. It's so awful. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but also amazing. Um, yeah, just a, a couple, uh, quick ones for me the thing that yeah the, the whole ed karn scene is is dark comedy uh, yes. both of them yeah. of the the overbearing uh, parental figure um including the 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 pushing of the fruit telling him exactly what to eat at breakfast yeah. um yeah so he can learn to stand up straight and strong uh, but the one that really got to me is the uh when she's saying it's too bad i didn't get to see you when you were successful and he says that you i had a guest room you there was an uh, open invite and she says any civilized being knows an open invitation is no invitation at all <laughs> so funny so it's, oh, it's funny, and uh, I know it happens everywhere. Uh, uh, people here in L.A. Uh, make fun of ourselves about it. Uh, the idea of, hey, oh, hey, we should we should absolutely do lunch. Yes, we absolutely should. And yeah. no one commits to when. And I feel like when. that's what Edie Karn is talking about. Yeah, yeah. If you say to someone, we should do lunch sometime, and then the other person responds, yes, how about tomorrow at this time? Th- that's war. <laughs> yeah they, they become the problem when they're just nice people that want to hang out with you yeah yeah totally exactly and we already talked about it a little bit i really uh, love a ton of nemic's lines but uh cassian saying i know what i'm against the rest will have to wait and nemic saying you're my ideal reader for his manifesto yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great stuff okay uh we gotta keep moving here and get ken on a plane so uh do you have a favorite luthan line or noise uh i i just have a, a luthan mood uh the the tension and the fear and the weight of everything was pretty fascinating. It, 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 I've been, we've been loving Luther and we, we'll, we'll grumble some more lines, but I just love seeing him nervous. Um, uh, uh, Clea trying to keep him on the path there. It, it was really fascinating. I love it. I just, I just kind of want to live in that. Yeah. I, I loved Clea saying, giving him a list. She didn't enumerate the list, but it's like either it's going to work out or it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was kind of giving him him loosement. the line i really liked in that scene is i wanted it too much um which that is one, yeah. you know it makes it really personal it makes it really real it makes him vulnerable and it's also going to be a great meme of that picture of luthan saying i wanted it too much yeah vulnerable that that's such a great way to describe that scene gosh yeah early in the morning couldn't think of all the words vulnerable and and, and yeah. when she's kind of got clients in the morning and just does that like yeah i'll be ready like it's just, it's just ah, beautiful <laughs> Powerful stuff. Uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? Um, no, I mean, this is a, a, a thick, damp, dense episode that I loved. Um, yeah, so I'm almost uh, mad at myself for having to fly. But um, there's more to talk about, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's more nuances, more great lines uh, to get into for sure. But two things that I wanted to shout out very quickly, uh, just on a personal level, I love the shot of that, of the model burning that really affected me. and. 
in terms of seeing Coruscant, you were speaking so eloquently about this episode. I continue to love Mon Mothma's car. That is just like a blue yes. that sets my heart to flame. I want 800,000 toys, models, uh, Hot Wheels of Mon Mothma's car in those beautiful shots of it. Just, you know, taking the city streets of Coruscant, which are too slow for Perrin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beautiful to me. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then a, a, a great thing that's going on in the episode that we didn't have time to, to dive into deeply, but I, uh, people are already excited about and, and I'm excited to, to dive into deeper is uh, the apparent relationship uh, between Cinta and Vel um, yeah, yeah. going on there uh, of um, Skeen saying, you know, she's already sharing somebody else's blanket. But there's also this, they're, they're not uh, being too heavy with it, but we know from the previous episodes that, that Cassian likes having uh, relationships with the ladies, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And he's he's so guarded. In the, he's friendly enough to Nemec, but the only person he keeps kind of trying to sidle up to is Cinta, right? He's having that kind of yeah. nice conversation with like, you're a healer. <laughs> yep. And yep. he gets uh, it, it pulled away from that. And then he, later on in, that, in one of the campfire scenes, uh, when they're kind of trying to bond, he's, he's going to pass her the flask and Vel literally steps between them and tells him mm. to focus, you know? Yeah. So I, I really like that. It's not heavy handed, but there's this interesting relationship between Vel and Cinta that we can learn more about. And I think it's an interesting picture of Cassian, uh, that one of the few ways that he feels comfortable to open up is to have an intimate romantic relationship. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and one of the shields he has. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah is it opening up or is it a shield is it this mm-hmm. this uh, is a substitute for cool. real uh a yeah. deep emotional connection is to have a fun mm-hmm. fling yeah absolutely great stuff all right any predictions or hopes for next episode a lot of action some beauty with the natural uh, wonders of the, of, of the planet and uh flying <laughs> we're gonna yep. see some flying I think we're going to see some flying. I think we're going to see some of this tension explode. I'm hoping to see a Cyril's Karn hunt begin for Cassian. And I'm really excited to see what in this uh, big explosion of action and adventure starts to open Cassian's guarded soul and make him admit to himself that this fight means something to him. That's what I'm excited for. Indeed. Uh, All right. We always like to wrap up with merch. What merch would you want based on this episode, Ken? We got to have the, the cereal, but we do have to have Nemec's Book of Rebellion available somewhere, like uh, some, you know, a nice uh, parchment bound with some leather. You know, I want to I want to read it. Yeah, no, I want him. I, I hope he's I hope Nemec lives and I hope he's doing uh, Q&A's and signings on Endor yes. of his uh, of his manifesto. Yeah, uh, definitely need that in the real world. Definitely need the Carnos cereal. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing we need is uh, is we need uh, Luthan radios at Target. And yes, you can tune them in and hey, kids, you can hear real Luthan noises by tuning in this radio. Uh, That would make me very happy. All right. We are wrapping up. So Ken can go do some comedy. I'm going to head to Portland in a day myself. So for now, Ken, where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. You can find us a lot of spots, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just search, you'll find us. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Like Joseph said, you can find me at Ken Napsack or go to my website, kennapsack.com because I'm flying to New York City to do comedy on October 6th and 7th. New York Comedy Club in the East Village. Joseph, you're heading to Portland, so where can they find and follow you if they want to know what you're doing there? 
yeah, you can follow me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Grimshaw. I will be in Portland this weekend for the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Yeah, check out the social media for more info. And uh, if you're interested in some more comedy, I got some comedy videos and stuff coming to my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Joseph Scrimshaw. But for now, for myself, for Nemix Manifesto in Karn's Breakfast Cereal, this has been the Andor Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.